What's going on, jazz fans? Welcome back to the Final Note Pod. I'm Ryan Vike, and I'm here with BK Van Coons. On today's podcast, we are going to review the two games that we played this week against Portland and Minnesota. Then we also preview this week's upcoming matchups against Oklahoma City, Phoenix, and the Los Angeles Clippers. So, getting right off to it, let's talk about this game that we played on Thursday night against Portland. We the final score was 120 to 100 and the Utah Jazz looked excellent in this game, right Ben? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, they were I think they were firing all cylinders. You were you look at it everybody was in a everybody was in in the plus side of the plus minus. They shot well, they played defense well. I mean, it was an all-around great game for the Jazz. Yeah, I mean, just just looking at the stats here, you had two 20-point scorers in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Mike Conley had 18, and Jordan Clarkson had 15. So, And then you had, I think it was seven people in double figures all around as well. And if, if I remember correctly, Kendall, on the last episode, was talking about how he wanted to see multiple double-digit scorers in that game, and... And the Jazz certainly did that. They they looked really good all around. If you look at the team totals, they shot fifty three pointers, and they they made nineteen of them. So they they shot thirty eight percent from three, and I, I think that's a franchise record for the most three pointers attempted, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That's that's what that's what I remember seeing. Um, is that they? I mean, they just bombed a bunch of threes, and so I, I do remember seeing something like that um, during the game. And then also another thing that really stuck out to me in this game was the production of Rudy Gobert. Eight for ten shooting, four for six from the free throw line. So that's that's always good to see when Rudy is kind of shooting the free throw well. That's I think that's really a good indicator of his offensive game. And then he had he had seventeen boards, thirteen defensive rebounds, and four offensive rebounds. And and obviously there's the defensive presence of things that that really forced the Blazers into difficult shots. And I think the Blazers just looked all, all out of sorts because they couldn't figure out what was going on with with the Jazz. I mean, Damian Lillard was held to, uh, what was it, 10 points in that game? He had, he had nine points, and they only allowed him to shoot 12 times, which I, I think out of everything that happened in that game, the most impressive thing is we, the Jazz only allowed Damian Lillard to shoot 12 times. He shot four of twelve from the field, one of seven from three, and he had nine points. I mean, if I remember right, zero points in the first half, which I don't remember the last time Damian Lillard shot had zero points in the first half. And so that was really one of the big wins for me. Is you know we had to force Damian Lillard to taking tough shots, and you know just contain Damian Lillard. That was my big key, and we forced him to take almost no shots and apparently difficult shots, shooting one for seven, and. We held them to nine points. I mean, that's that right there. That that's a win. You know, you made CJ McCollum have to come up and step up and beat the Jazz. And I like CJ McCollum, but CJ McCollum is not going to beat the Jazz by himself. They had one, two, three, four, five, four players in double digits. Um, five players in double digits. And if you're going to have five players in double digits, and one of them's not going to be Dame 
Damon Lillard, and only one of them is going to score above 20 points, I mean, that's going to be a win every single time. So I think the Jazz defensively, they locked in on Portland, and it was it was really great to see. I only, I only got to catch, like, the tail end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, um, but, I mean, they were locked in, and, you know, and I, I loved it. Um, I, I loved watching that last little bit and how they um, were able to keep them all contained and keep Damian Lillard contained and force Damian Lillard to take shots off shots. I really liked that uh, that the Jazz did that. So another thing that the Jazz did, and, and they just have made a habit of this now, whenever they play Cantor or Carmelo Anthony, they just bully them on defense. When those guys are When those guys have to defend you, they force them into a pick-and-roll defensive situation. And obviously we remember Cantor. He wasn't very good at defending the pick-and-roll. He was awful at it. And then we saw it during the Oklahoma City playoff series where we specifically targeted Carmelo Anthony on defense and Donovan Mitchell was able just to pick him apart. And, and this t- this game, it was Mike Conley. Mike Conley ran the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. And, and kind of like I said, now that he's been able to get used to it and he's in his second season with the Jazz, almost even his third, if you think about the bubble, I consider the bubble to be its own season in general as well. So he's, he's really coming into his own as a Utah Jazz player and and I think Mike Conley is the I think that Mike Conley is the one of the top players if not the top player for the Jazz on the season so far uh was there was there anything else that you liked in this game Ben that really stuck out to you um not specific I mean just like you said Mike Conley I'm in agreement with you I think Mike Conley has been the most consistent and the best player so far for the Jazz I mean it's only been two games but um, I think he is the most consistent and the the player that really stands out the most for me. Um, and then, but other than that, I, I think all around, I just think that the Jazz played a very complete, competitive game, and I, I, I love to see it. I, you know, I won my fifty bucks, thank goodness, um, and I got to see uh, Udoka yammed on Anis Kanter. So you know what? That was a really good game for me. Really good day. Oh, we live, we live for Udoka bangers. That's that's all I'm gonna say. The final note pod lives for Azubuki bangers. So, oh yes, especially when they're on disliked former Jazz players. We want Gordon Hayward next, Doak. We want Gordon yeah. Hayward next. Just two hand yam elbows above the rim and make Gordon Hayward pay. Okay, um, and then obviously last night's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves was very disappointing. The 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 vibe that I got from the Jazz was that they just weren't ready for the intensity. They kind of went in with the assumption that they were going to win that game, very similar to how we on the Final Note pod just assumed they were going to win that game. And the Timberwolves kind of jumped out to a quick start, and it took Utah 24 minutes to get back into the basketball game, and and it's kind of like I said in our group text, you can't play 40 minutes of bad basketball and then eight minutes of really good hoops to try and expect to win the game. I was a very firm critic of Rudy Gobert in the playoffs last year in Game 7 when he did the same thing. He played 40 minutes of really bad basketball, and then he had really good eight minutes that allowed the Jazz to get back into that Game 7. But had Rudy Gobert played with that same intensity and that same strength for the full 48 minutes the Jazz would have been able to compete for a conference finals shot and they weren't able to do that this year or they weren't able to do that and then I I got the same vibe from the whole Jazz team 
minus Rudy Gobert, actually, yesterday. I felt like Rudy was the one that really came out strong, had a couple of huge dunks to start the game off, and I was like, oh, we're going to cruise to a victory. And then it just fell apart. The wheels just came off. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I agree. I, I, uh, wa- I, watched, I was able to watch the whole game that time, thank goodness, because I really do miss jazz basketball. I don't miss this jazz basketball, but we lost. We lost 116-111. But if you really look back at it, and if you look how the Jazz played, and you look at the situation they're in, the fact that they only lost by five is kind is, is kind of insane. I mean, they played with almost no heart. I mean, they're honestly, in my in my point of view, they were so lazy on defense. They were times where Gobert, well, Gobert, you know, Carl Anthony Towns made a good move, and Gobert just stood straight up and started talking to the ref while while Towns was dunking the ball, or we missed a shot and there's it's an automatic 4v2 and there were things like that where the their jazz were not in their character you know you don't see the jazz not hustling back on defense you don't see the jazz stopping mid-play to talk to them you don't see the jazz do those things but they were doing those things yesterday and you know they shot 29 from percent from three they shot 38 from the field i mean it was an ugly shooting night for the jazz and they only lost by five you know david mitchell shot six of 23 bogdanovich three of 16 um you know almost outside of Ingles and Clarkson, there wasn't really a ton of bench production and we lost by five. So if you get the jazz to play half of what we know, you know, half of what they played against Portland, they're, they're walking away with this, with, with this win in, against Minnesota, you know, and then you have to have, you know, Carl Anthony Towns going six and 19, D'Angelo Russell going nine of 21. And they, they pull, they ball, they played well. They had good bench production from the rookie um, and Edwards and Jerry Culver and stuff like that. And so, really, as a jazz fan, you, you take this loss with you know with a bit of bitter bitterness to it because they lost to the Timberwolves. But if you look at it on the other side, there's a lot of pros coming out of this that the Jazz played really bad basketball and they only lost by five. Yeah, and and I agree with that. Another thing that I think is is interesting to note is the we 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 talked about this on the final or on the last episode where if the the only way the the Timberwolves were going to beat the Jazz was if we had a bad game and a bad showing from Donovan Mitchell and he was very inefficient and Carl Anthony Towns went off. Well, Carl Anthony Towns didn't go off because he didn't have to because D'Lo did. D'Angelo Russell killed us the other day and I read a stat the other day that I I think was pretty incredible. It said that D'Angelo Russell is 100% from the field whenever he plays the Utah Jazz or not not from the field from the mid-range. He he hasn't missed a single mid range jump shot whenever he's played the Utah Jazz. Now it's wow. it's it's not very much because he's been in the East a lot, and with the exception of his first season in in LA, but he he was hurt for a few of those games against the Jazz too, I believe. So the the fact that D'Angelo Russell is just unreal, he 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 plays very good against the Jazz, and and like I said, I'm a huge D'Angelo Russell fan. I think that he's a really good basketball player. Um, he missed that shot or that free throw at the end to give the Jazz a chance. And this is the other thing that nine times out of ten, you're going to run a play for either Clarkson. They ran it for Clarkson last night because Jordan Clarkson was the, the go-to guy. He was the bucket last night. But he he slipped. I don't know if anyone noticed that. But mm-hmm. on that on that play that was designed, he, he slipped. I would have liked to have seen, even though Bojan shot... What was it? Um, sorry, I'm pulling it up here. 
think it was like two for seven or something like that from three. He was one for five from three. Oh yeah. Um. So, I I personally wanted to see the Jazz when when I saw Bojan was inbounding it. I wanted to see the Jazz try to run a play that would where he would inbound the ball to someone and then he would come off of a go bear screen and get a cat like a shot off of that and get him get him an opportunity but we couldn't even get the ball inbounds and I I think again that just kind of comes down to the attention to details and the intensity it, at that point if Jordan's not open Donovan Mitchell's got to be the man at that point and get open he's got to he's got to get the ball if if you right. notice that Clarks and slips go get the ball you had five seconds left. Donovan Mitchell is one of the best create-your-own-shot type of players in the NBA. So give him the ball and let him do his thing too. So I, I, I understand why the play was drawn up for Jordan Clarkson, but I think that it's if Donovan Mitchell is going to take that leap into the top 10 this year, you've got to give him an opportunity to shine in those moments. And, and I think last night, especially with Bojan inbounding the ball, that was a that was the chance for Donovan to really do that and kind of make up for his inefficient night because if he hits a three sends it to overtime you're going to get a completely revamped Donovan Mitchell and and in overtime Donovan's really going to take over that game because while he was very inefficient from the field he shot very good from the free throw line he was seven for nine from the line and I mean yeah, he was inefficient but he still finished with 21 points so He's, he's doing the things that superstars do even when they're having bad shooting nights. He's still hitting that 20-point mark. And, and he hasn't been the most efficient this season so far. So I, I do think that Donovan will start picking it up as, as the season goes along. Another thing that I noticed that was a little disappointing for me was the... Sorry, it was the, the fact that they, they just played to the Minnesota Timberwolves level as well. If, if you think about it, the Jazz are by far a better team. There's no way that, like you said, Jarrett Culver, Jake Lehman, Nas Reed, these guys wouldn't get minutes on the Jazz. Yet, at the same time, they're guys that are outplaying us, essentially, beating us. And, and so it was, it, was, it was hard to watch the Jazz play at such a low level. Right, and you can tell you can tell when they start playing down to their play. This is a great indication for me when the Jazz do not take care of the ball. They had 18 turnovers to Minnesota's nine. Like they they doubled they doubled the amount of turnovers, and that's when I really start to see that the Jazz start to play down to their opponents is when they stop taking care of the ball. Like if you if you take away you know let's see let's say they only have 11 11 turnovers versus the eight turnovers. The Jazz won the game just off just off that. Like they they the Timberwolves scored probably twenty something points off of points off turnovers. I think the last I saw it when they last showed it was twenty six points off turnovers. If you just cut down four or five of those, like the Jazz were in the lead. Yeah. You know, they the Jazz outplayed them in the second half. The Jazz took it to them. The Jazz kind of fought back, but at that point, like you said, you can't you can't play 40 minutes of bad basketball and then eight minutes of really good basketball and expect to win a game. Like you just can't do it. Um, so, I, you know, there are a lot of upsides to last night's loss. Um, it's just a little bitter. It's, it's, it's bitter to kind of have to say that and to, to watch that game and to see the outcome. 
Um, but I think there's a lot of places for the Jazz to kind of look at themselves in the mirror and be like, yeah, like we should have ran away with this game. I, I 100% agree. And the other thing that I thought was a little disappointing, you have a Supermax player in Rudy Gobert, and, and you're paying him Supermax money. If you're going to be paying him that much, Rudy Gobert cannot play less than 30 minutes, and yeah. he did last night. So whether that was on Rudy for being in foul trouble or Quinn for just not trusting Rudy to stay on the floor, there there was a difficulty there. And, and yes, Rudy Gobert, quote-unquote, airballed a dunk. Isn't that what Bleacher Report tweeted? Yeah. While he did that, he was probably the best or second best player for the Jazz last night, and he kept him in the game. So I... I don't like the negative publicity that people give Rudy Gobert. I think he's the most slandered player on NBA, Twitter, in general. But at the same time, I, I, I do think that they will be fine. And this coming week, transitioning into the games that we have, you have a matchup against Oklahoma City tomorrow, and then you play Phoenix on Thursday and the Clippers on Friday. So starting with Oklahoma City, obviously their first game got canceled against the Rockets. So we have a very, very small sample size of a completely revamped Oklahoma City team. Last night, they started Lou Dort, George Hill, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Al Horford, and who was the other one, did you say? Baisley. Oh, Darius Baisley. and yes. And... I mean, they they beat the Charlotte Hornets by two points. The Charlotte Hornets are on a last last second shot. Yeah, the Charlotte Hornets aren't the greatest team in the NBA. They're not good at all, to be frank. And I I think that again, if the Jazz play down to Oklahoma City's level tomorrow, we can officially consider the Jazz as not an elite team because elite teams don't play down to their opponent's level they beat the bad teams. Yep. And you're seeing it with the Lakers. They played two good teams, and they played bad against the Clippers, but they thumped the Mavericks the next night. And then the Clippers are the same. They thumped the Nuggets, and they thumped the Lakers. So these these elite teams, Brooklyn is another one. Just look at how they obliterated Golden State, and then they, they handled the Celtics really easily on Christmas Day as well. So these these teams that we consider to be elite teams, they don't they don't play down to the level of their opponents. They play their basketball one hundred percent of the time, and that's why they win so much. And if the Jazz want to make that jump into that elite category, which they have the potential to be, they've got to come out against Oklahoma City tomorrow and just take it to them. Because really, the only player that they have that I consider to be a huge threat to us is Shea Gilgis Alexander, and He's he's good, but I wouldn't take him over Donovan Mitchell. I wouldn't take him over Rudy Gobert. And so you, he might be the third best player in this basketball game. But outside of that, like who's who else is going to beat you on this team? Al Horford is good, but he's old. Uh, George Hill, same. He's a good basketball player, but again, he's old. So that's that's where I that's where I say I think the Jazz really should win tomorrow pretty big. I would say your key matchup is probably Donovan Mitchell against Shea Gilgis Alexander. You're gonna see Lou Dort guard Donovan Mitchell, and and that that could make the game a little more difficult for Don. But if he takes it like he did against the Blazers, where he's very patient and 
looks to set up his teammates to, and then ultimately takes over eventually on his own, then, then he's going to be able to do that. And, and that's, that's what I anticipate and what I hope to see from Donovan Mitchell a lot this year. No, I agree. Um, one of the big things for me for this game is you've got to come out, especially after a loss like like you took yesterday. You've got to come out. You've got to come out, and you've got to show heart. Uh, the last time the Jazz met, matched up against the Thunder in the bubble, it was it was by far the worst the worst Jazz basketball I've ever watched. Like it was no heart, no defense, and the Jazz got blown out. Like it was. I watched the whole game. And it was very difficult for me to watch. And the Jazz need to come out, and the Jazz need to show the heart. They need to show the effort. They need to go out there, and they really just needed to take it to the Thunder. Um, I agree with you on the fact that it's going to be a Shea versus Donnie matchup. And I also agree that I think Dort's going to be guarding Donovan Mitchell. And the upside about that is you're going to be able to see Donovan Mitchell take it to the Thunder when he needs to, but you're also going to see a lot of other players start to step up. You know, when you've got Dort guarding Donovan Mitchell, you're going to, it's going to allow Conley to open up. It's going to allow Bogdanovich to open up. You know, Horford is, you know, an older player and he's not as, you know, he's not as athletic or as big as Rudy Bears. So you're going to try to see Donovan Mitchell pulling out Horford out of the paint, running that pick, high pick and roll and seeing a lot of lobs to the rim, or you're going to see Derek Favors just bully ball uh, whoever down down low in the post, like you're going to see a lot of different jazz players get a lot of different jazz, uh, touches and a lot of different moves to try to spread it all out to allow a lot of movement. And then when it comes down to crunch time, it'll allow Donovan Mitchell to to spread the floor, to open the space, and to do what he does best, which is take over take over for in the second half. So I think that's going to be the big keys for Oklahoma City game is allowing. Uh, allowing the different jazz players to get involved so that when it comes down to down the stretch, Donovan can do his thing, take over the game, and put them out for good. Yeah, and then against Phoenix, obviously we played them twice in the preseason, so you're going to get a healthy dosage of Chris Paul and Devin Booker again. They, The two of them have been playing really well to start the season, and I think that with, with them, sorry, I'm pulling up their stats, they had... Booker is getting about 24 points per game right now. We've always known Devin Booker is a very good scorer, but Chris Paul brings that culture now, and he is averaging 15 points per game and 8 assists. So he's doing right about the same that he was with Oklahoma City, and and Chris Paul is just famous for killing the Jazz, right? So I, I think that... Uh, I, I personally think the matchup to watch in this game is going to be Mike Conley versus Chris Paul. Because, like I said, I, I feel like Mike Conley has been one of the more consistent, if not the most consistent player for the Jazz. So the fact that he's going to be able to go against who one of the the best point guards in the league, he, it's going to really show what Mike Conley we get this year, and it's going to show how much he can really help us come playoff time too, I believe. No, I agree. Um, looking at the games from last year, the Jazz went 1-1 one one against them. Uh, they beat them by two. Let me double check real quick. They beat them by one the first matchup, um, and they got blown out by 20 in the second matchup. Um, was that second matchup in the bubble? The second matchup was right before the bubble. Um, they played that one was in Utah at home. That one, that one I remember watching. That one, that one hurt pretty pretty bad. Um, but I mean, in in those games, Donovan Mitchell had you know, in the loss. Donovan Mitchell had 38, and 
Bogdanovich had 16. Gobert had 13, but didn't have double-digit rebounds. But as you were talking about the Mike Conley matchup, Mike, Mike Conley only took six shots, and he had eight and one assist. And in the first matchup where they won by one, um, Mike Conley had one point. 0 for 7 from the field, 0 from 3. Don Mitchell's looking out with 25, Bogdanovich with 29. And so then they barely won that game. So I'm I kind of starting to agree with you more that, you know, if Don Mitchell, Bogdanovich, and Rudy do their thing, the biggest piece is going to be Mike, that Mike Conley versus, versus Chris Paul matchup. Mike Conley is going to have to keep the Jazz on the on the path that they're rolling. He's going to have to keep, you know, 2018 so far, you know, and so if he keeps around there, that's 17, 18 point range, I think the Jazz um, have a good chance at, at winning that matchup, you know. Diamond Mitchell and Devin Booker, they're going to battle it out. They're going to duke it out, and they're going to get, you know, they're both going to get theirs. Um, but we do, we do need Mike Conley to, to to be Mike Conley that he has been the last two games. So um, I, I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, and and the other thing that I think about in this game is that when you make mention of those previous games, Ricky Rubio was the point guard last year for the Suns. So the fact that he probably got outbeat by Ricky Rubio. That, that's the reason that the Jazz got the doors blown off of them in the second game, and it's the reason the first game was close. I, if I remember correctly, we won on a buzzer beater against Phoenix last year. So the the Jazz really need to come out aggressive. The Suns are going to be a good team this year. I think that my playoff predictions of Golden State in the playoffs are, I think it's safe to say they're not going to make it. And and I had Phoenix sitting at 9, so that automatically lifts Phoenix up, and, and i Having watched Phoenix play a couple of games, I think that Phoenix probably is going to be fighting for that 5-6 range because of the leadership of Chris Paul and because Devin Booker is a very good basketball player. I think the Phoenix Suns are... I, I think in that 10-15 to 15 range, you see the guys like Donovan Mitchell, like Devin Booker, like Jason Tatum, who are young. They're the next faces of the league, right? They're these young superstars that are really looking to break into that top 10. And one of the guys who Donovan Mitchell has to surpass or, or stay in front of, in my opinion, because I think Donovan is better than Booker, but one of those people who he has to stay in front of is or is Devin Booker. And Devin Booker gets that help from Chris Paul, who's another guy who's in that 10 to 15, maybe even or maybe 15 to 20 range in, in regards to top players in the league. So you've you've got a very good healthy matchup in in this in this game in my opinion. So that that's what I look for though. I I do think Donovan is going to have a stellar game. I think that the the Phoenix game has the potential to be Donovan's first huge game of the season. And then after that we have a back to back against the Clippers. Something that the Clippers just to take into consideration. Obviously Kawhi took that horrible horrible elbow to the face on Christmas Day and and I don't think that he'll be out he had to get stitches for that injury so I, I don't think that he'll be playing at all this week and then they also play games against the Mavericks the Timberwolves and the Suns and they play the the Timberwolves and Phoenix back to back and then they play us on Friday which means it will be their third game in four days so I think there's a very high possibility of them resting Paul George as well. So if if that's the case, while I want to see the Jazz play a full-strength Clipper team, 
if they do rest these superstars, then that's that's a game that the Jazz have to win, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it depends on if Kawhi plays. Um, the Clippers, I watched the first the, their first two games um, against the Lakers and against the Nuggets, and the, and the Clippers are firing all cylinders. I mean, they are balling right now. They're they're a tough team. I um, mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not sold on. I'm not sold on the Paul Paul George thing. I personally think that um, you know he's maybe top twenty. Um, but he, he is playing like he's one of the best players in the league. I um, mean, you can't deny that. There are other things I would consider for me to talk about him in such a high way, but he is playing really well right now. And um, luckily, I feel like the Jazz match up against the Clippers really well. I think there's a lot of players who can irritate and who can slow down Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and stuff like that. So there are upsides to that matchup. Um, I do think it's going to be a pretty tough game. And, the Jazz need to really come out, and the Jazz need to play a Portland-esque game. They need to come out, and they need to have everything kind of needs to be going right for them, and they just need to play Jazz basketball in order for them to get that win. Um, last year, they had no problem, I and mean, they played them three times, and they went 2-1 and one against them last year. Um, you know, they had a 110-96 to 96 win, a 120-107 win, and they lost 105-94. Um, Donovan Mitchell played well in all those games. Mike Conley played well. Um in the in the first win, uh, Donovan, you know, like you said, the Don it does Donnie, and so if the Jazz can keep their talents, you know, keep their their system the way that it's designed and where they thrive the most, just you know, Donovan being Donovan, Rudy getting boards, getting getting those little buckets and those little buckets of the rim, and playing really good defense. Like if, if they can keep that system playing, I think the Jazz will be just fine. It's just a matter of playing their system. See, and and I disagree with everybody in Final Note Pod. They everybody <laughs> here hates Paul George, and I am a very big Paul George fan. I think Paul George is a top ten player in the league. So the fact that he and and to be fair, he's he's backing me up this year. He's averaging twenty eight points per game, six rebounds per game, and five assists. Those are those are MVP caliber numbers, and if he's able to keep that keep that number up he he could finish top three for mvp again in in that will be a second time in three years so i i don't understand why you guys dislike paul george so much but the fact that he he is as, as good as he is and he can take people off the bounce he's a three level scorer he can score at the rim mid-range and take and he can knock down the three i i think if he plays against the jazz like i said i don't anticipate Kawhi playing at all this week, but if he plays against the Jazz, it makes the game a little more interesting. The Jazz do have players that can contain him. They have Joe Ingles. They have um, they have stoppers. Paul George will struggle to score at the rim against Rudy. They have Royce O'Neal who can step out and play defense on him as well. And and Royce O'Neal is an elite defender when it comes to guarding wings and guards, but, but he struggles to guard those bigger players like Kawhi and like LeBron James. So I, I think it will be interesting to watch if Le, if Paul George plays or not. That's that's something that we need to keep an eye on. If Paul George plays, then I think your, your key matchup becomes Jordan Clarkson versus Lou Williams. But if, if he doesn't play, then I think you have to watch for Donovan Mitchell just to abuse whoever starts at shooting guard for them. 
whether it's Luke Kennard or Lou Williams, whoever, like I said, whoever they, they start, I think Donovan Mitchell should really pick apart the the Clippers, especially if they don't have their two elite defensive stoppers in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So those are those are my things, my notes. I I do think the Clippers are one of the teams to beat in the West. I think it's a I think it's two teams right now. Had the Jazz just blown the doors off of Minnesota, I would have said three, but they they really disappointed me. And and like I said in on our Twitter, I I joked that we're not we're not trying to overreact to that Portland win, but I thought we were going to win the NBA title after that. And and then really the Jazz just pulled the ultimate Jazz move of all time and just brought everybody back down to earth, right? I don't I don't think there was a single Jazz fan who wasn't super hyped about the Jazz after that Portland game. But then we all kind of ate crow after that that loss to Minnesota. And to be fair, Kendall's point about the Timberwolves maybe sneaking in at eight, if the Timberwolves can continue to defend and play as well as they did last night, all props to them. They might actually do that. They're two and zero right now, and they've they beat pretty good teams so far. So uh, I I think that the Jazz do have to play better. But it's like we said, I don't think they're going to play that bad very often, and if if ever again this season, to be completely honest. So the the fact that they they have played very well this opening week, there's there's a little more to be desired, but it is the first week of NBA basketball. So you you have to look forward to this season with a lot of optimism. And and I think this week you've got a couple of playoff games or a couple of teams that you could see in the playoffs. So you got to see how you play them. And then, like I said, you have to take care of business against Oklahoma City tomorrow. What do you, what do you think? What are your final thoughts there, Ben? Um, kind of my, my final thoughts of... of what we've gone over is the biggest thing for me is it's only been two games as jazz fans. I think, I think as any basketball fan for any team, you have a tendency to be like, they lost to the Timberwolves. We're done. Like, okay. It's, it's game two, you know, Minnesota's two and oh, the Kings are two and oh, and there's another team that's two and oh, that you're kind of like, how are they two and oh? Like it, it's just, it's two games in. Um, so there's plenty of basketball to be played. There's oh, plenty. There's a lot of basketball to be played. And there's a lot of time, you know, the Jazz didn't have really a training camp. They didn't have a preseason. They didn't have time to reintegrate Derek, really have a ton of time to reintegrate Derek Favors or to figure out a way to use Jordan, you know, Jordan Clarkson uh, more efficiently. They haven't found a way to get these young guys incorporated into the system. And so you kind of have to spend the first couple of games to do that. So it's early, you know, it's really early. There's plenty of time. So I don't think that I'm, you know, no one should be in panic mode for any reason at all. Um, I think that the Jazz will back behind their one of the best coaches in the league and that they'll be able to work through things and that we'll see a really good, healthy, um, competitive Jazz team. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of it, is just kind of remembering that it's still came through. We're moving into game three, so there's plenty of time for us to, to figure out our kinks, to figure out who we are, where we want to be, and get to that point. I agree. And and then I just want to thank everyone for listening. I want to have everyone remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Note Pod. And I'm Ryan Vike, and this is the Final Note Pod.